Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. This is where it starts. A people who are genuine, open and honest. It is no place for facades. God wants us to be genuine. Jesus taught this in Mark 7. He wrote this, Mark 7, verse 67. He said this, These people, uh, I said to them, well, as I did prophesy of hypocrites, it is written, These people honour me, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching doctrines as the commands of men. They honour me on the face value, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they teach their ideas, man-made ideas, as commands from God. They weren't teaching the truth. Jesus warned us not to be people who pretend. If we're going to honour God with our lips, our heart must be close to him. That our worship would not be pretend. It would not be a farce. We would not teach anything other than the truth of God as the truth of God. This is where it starts, the church. God is clear that his followers, his church, be a place where our hearts follow after God. A church, a place where the heart of God is on display. Where people can come in and they encounter with him through our worship, through the word, but also through relationships with us. They would encounter God. We do not conform to the spirit of error that speaks of pretending to fitting in just to get along, adopting language that does not honour God, placing man-made ideas above the commands of God. We must be a people that commit to the spirit of truth, no longer to conforming, no longer wearing a mask, but genuinely showing the love of God, revealing his heart to those around us that they would see and know that the Lord is good. We are not pretenders. We are the personification of Jesus. We are not pretenders. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in every setting and every situation. Amen? Amen. The second area that Zephaniah speaks of is faith. Faith. Zephaniah 1.12. It says this, And it will come about at that time that I will search for Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the people who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good nor ill. Again, positive, uplifting message from Zephaniah. I will punish the people who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good nor harm. The people of Judah are given another warning by Zephaniah. Do not become complacent. Conformity will lead to complacency, and your faith will be lost. The people here make the exclamation, they make the declaration that God will do neither good nor will he do harm. That God will do nothing at all. That God is inactive. He may exist somewhere, but he is not alive. He does nothing. That is their declaration. He does not good, but he doesn't do harm either. He does nothing. God is inactive. 
He's asleep or he's busy somewhere else. Remember the prophets of Baal and Elijah, and he says, maybe your God is off sleeping somewhere. Maybe he's busy doing something else. That's what the people are saying about our God, that he is busy or asleep. He is inactive. And those that have no faith in their God, or they, or they doesn't care, their lack of faith causes them to believe a lie, that they can do whatever they want because God will do nothing. God will do nothing. He's not around to judge me, so I can do whatever I want. I can live life however I feel like. If he does not care, if he is not real, then what's stopping me from doing whatever I please? I will make my own truth. This is the lie of conformity. The world sees God as inactive, as not real in the first place. And without God, I can do as I please. And the spirit of our enemy reigns supreme. His spirit of rejection of God reigns supreme. But we are followers of Jesus, yes? We follow Jesus. We must be people of faith. It is our distinctive trait, faith, to believe that which is unseen, of things hoped for, if they had already happened. I'm not talking about a kind of believing, a half-hearted confidence that God is there. That's what I'm talking about. When I was a teenager like Charlie's age, I would often go walking at night around my neighbourhood and I would talk to God or whatever I felt God was there. I felt there was some kind of force or being or thing that was there that was listening. I didn't follow Jesus when I was a teenager. I didn't know who God was. I didn't know who Jesus was. But when I was walking, I felt that somehow there was kind of someone listening. And if I can have that kind of half-belief, that kind of believing as someone who didn't know Jesus, then surely, surely as people who are born again followers of Jesus, surely our faith is something greater than that. Surely it is something much more substantial. If I can have that without even knowing who he is, then we should have faith which is off the charts. A complete trust in Jesus. A true conviction a faith that has no doubt whatsoever, a trust in him that he does hear me, that he hears me, and that he knows me, that he died for me, and that he cares for me, without any doubt whatsoever. Sometimes that level of faith can be daunting. And sometimes in situations that we feel that faith is not really obtainable or we don't feel it. That's the problem with emotions. We've got to put them aside and realize that our faith is not based on emotions. Our faith is based on fact. The fact is, is that God is real. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. He cares about you and he knows you. That is the truth. That is fact. Jesus said in Luke 16, he said this, One who was faithful in very little was also faithful in much. Now I know that passage is about money. I get that. But there's a godly principle there that things can grow. That if we have faith in the little, we can have faith in the much. Our faith can grow. If we are willing to have faith for the little things in life, then that will help us to have faith for the great things in life. I have found that having kids, with all its other benefits, has helped me to trust God more than I ever would have without kids. That when I pray... I know God hears me. When they were babies, 
I would lie in bed after having gotten up for the countless time because they would not settle. And Tom's nodding in the background, he knows. I would simply get back into bed and I would pray. Because that's all I had left. I would pray. And I would pray for God to help them sleep. I would say, Lord, help them sleep. Give them joy, full dreams. Dreams of joy and peace that take them far away from the waking world. And I would pray that prayer over and over and over and over and over and over until I fell asleep. Just last week, Maddie, Maddie's had this cough. And you know that cough in the back of your throat that tickles and you can't get rid of it? And I've tried every parenting hack slash internet hack slash medical hack that I can think of. I've given her honey, I've given her this, I've given her that, and nothing gets rid of the cough. This little tickle in the back of the throat, she coughs all night long last week. Just throughout the night, up at four in the morning, and she's coughing. And so what do I do? I pray. I pray because I believe God hears me. And I pray, Lord, help her sleep. Give her dreams of joy and peace to take her far away from the tickle in her throat. She can't feel it anymore. Give her sleep. And I pray that prayer over and over and over and over and over again until I fall asleep. And when I wake up, it's morning. Now, I don't know if God stopped her cough or if God just let me sleep through it. I don't know. I don't really care at that point in time, but I don't know. But what I do know is that God hears my prayer. And I have no doubt, not an inkling of doubt in my whole being that God has heard me when I speak to him. None. Complete faith that God is real, that he is with me, that he knows me and he cares for me. An unwavering faith that he is there, that he is active. If he is the God of the little stuff like that, then he is the same God of the big stuff. God doesn't need to power up. Just give me a second. I need to power up before I answer your prayer. It's so good. God doesn't need to do that. He doesn't have to power up. God is able. God is able. He is the God of the little stuff, and he is the God of the big stuff. We need to have greater faith. It's not about him. It's about us. We are the ones who must have greater faith. We must believe more. We must shake off this conformity of the world, conformity to the pattern of the world, that he is not there, that he is not active, that he is not real, that he is somewhere too busy to listen to you, and instead demonstrate our faith, declare his goodness, and trust in him because we believe that he is with us, that he is within us. And if we display our faith, an expressed life of assured belief, then the world can be saved from their unbelief if they see faith in those who follow Jesus. Because if there was nothing from Zephaniah, we know that the Lord is coming. He is coming back and there will be judgment and the people need to be saved. So we need to be people of faith so we can show the world what faith looks like. Not conforming to their beliefs, but showing them what belief truly is. So we need to make sure we're not a place that pretends. There's no facades here. We need to be people of faith. And lastly, we need to be careful in the area of free will. 
free will is the last one. Zephaniah 1.18 Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of wrath from the Lord. Zephaniah is consistent, if nothing else. No encouraging words. Nothing will save you. Neither silver nor gold. The day of the Lord is coming. His wrath is coming. The final area is free will. Free will in itself, of course, is not bad. God gave his creation free will. The ability to choose for ourselves which way we will live our lives. But the idea of free will has been twisted. It has been contorted by the spirit of error, the spirit of our enemy in this world, into something that causes us to believe that we don't need God. That we can do everything by ourselves. That was the people, the people of Judah being warned about. Zephaniah was warning the people of Judah, don't trust in yourselves. They begin to be trust in their own ability to grow wealth, in their silver and gold. They were storing up stuff. They were trusting in their possessions. That money will always be there to save them. That their protection does not come from God. It comes from their fortified cities. So then why would God give us free will? If he knew that we would do this with his free will, if he knew that the world would pervert the free will and twist it for their own gain to exclude him from the picture, why give us free will at all? So that we could choose to love him. We are given free will so that we have the option to choose to love him and be loved by him. Because without free will, we can't make that choice. We're either doomed without him or we are forced to love him. And that's not love. That's not service. We are given free will to make the choice. Free will is the only option. So it's up to us. It's up to us to choose to use our unrestricted free will, free decision-making ability to surrender ourselves to our Creator. Zephaniah warns the people of Judah, the day of the Lord is coming and nothing they have made for themselves will save them. All the wealth in the world won't save them from judgment. All the good works you think you've saved up won't earn you salvation. All the carefully made plans that you've secured for your future, they don't necessarily secure your future. The world tells us, the spirit of conformity tells us to trust in your nest egg. More money equals more security. Be good. Be good in the world. Be good to you. Build up some good karma. Build up some good karma in the what we need to do. Build up some good karma so the universe will repay you. Plan for the future. Make sure you have all your ducks in a row. A perfectly planned strategy for your life. And if you have that, nothing will go wrong. This is the spirit of error. This is the spirit of the enemy that has contorted free will into saying, I don't need God. I can do it myself. The world is screaming at you to conform to their pattern where God plays no part. Am I saying, don't be financially wise? Of course I'm not. We are called to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. Of course we have. We aren't foolish with money. But we aren't obsessed with it either. We don't put our security in money. Do you just give your 10% and do what we want with the rest? Is that what we do? Or do we give 
but recognizing that giving our 10% is just a great start to faithful stewardship. But God should actually control the other 90% as well. Ooh, that's a tough word, Pastor Randall. That's a tough word. Because the world would say and go, I'll just give you 10% if that's what you want to do. But the other 90%, that's yours. Do what you want with it. We give our 10% because that's how we start good stewardship. But the other 90% belongs to God as well. So we need to be wise and faithful in what he's given us. I'm not saying don't do good things. But we know that our good deeds don't earn us anything. Everything has been done for us by Jesus. All the good we do, all the good we do is born from trying to get credit with the universe or whatever. It does nothing. The good that we do should instead be a choice because God has been good to us. We are good because God is good. We do good because Jesus did good. We love because he is love. Maybe we shouldn't have plans then. Maybe we shouldn't have any plans for the future. No, we, we still plan. Of course we plan. But are our plans in line with his will? We don't trust in our plans, we trust in God. Even though our plan looks good, it's a great strategy, we don't think to ourselves, what's well, good, nothing will go wrong now. Our plan is in place. No, because we know we live in a world of pandemics. We live in a world of natural disasters like floods, of housing booms and crises, of interest rate rises. We trust in God because what is unknown to us is already known to him. We do not trust in our plan, we trust in God. The greatest of our plans pales in comparison to the faithfulness of God. No matter how good your plan is, it pales into comparison to the faithfulness of God. Make your plans, but make sure God is in the plan. We must be people who do not become enamoured with the spirit of error that rules this world. We must be people who do not conform to the pattern of this world, ruled by our enemy, who will do anything to get people in the dark, who will do anything to keep people from the light of the world. Instead, we must be the church, the bride of Christ, sons and daughters of our Most High God, brothers and sisters who are not afraid to be who we are, to cast aside all pretense, to cast aside the facades, the false faces, get rid of them. Stop pretending everything is perfect, but be real with one another. Be real and genuine in our faith. Not afraid to be people of faith. Not afraid to declare our faith. Are we sinners? Yes. But striving together to sin less. Genuine and authentic followers of Jesus. We must, we must not be just people of faith, but doers of faith. It's not enough just to believe. There must be action. Actively believing and trusting in our God. I've got a picture on my wall at home and it says, faith is a verb. It's a little picture. It's a doing word. It is active. It exhibits conviction. It promotes, it promotes feats of faith because we know that he is here, that he hears and that he helps. We believe without a doubt that he is here with us, 
that he hears us, and that he helps us. We must operate our free will. Not as the world does, but as people who choose to follow Jesus. We choose to surrender to Jesus instead of trusting in ourselves and what we can do to secure our future. The world calls us sheep. Have you heard that before? Christians are just sheep, blindly following the God who is not there. But the truth is, there is a divide, remember. Either you follow the spirit of error in the world, or you follow the spirit of truth. Either way, you're a sheep. At least I know who my master is if I follow him. I admit, yes, I'm a sheep, but I follow my shepherd because he loves me and he helps me and takes care of me. Happily follow your master because you don't even know who he is and you don't know that you're a sheep. You're in the dark. We choose to surrender to Jesus instead of trusting in ourselves. Our money, our good deeds, our excellent plans are as futile as the conformity of the world that says, I don't need God. I make my own truth and I live by my own standards. We only have one standard, and it is this. Will I follow Jesus? That's the standard. Will I follow Jesus? Will you follow Jesus? I want to end today with a, another verse by John from a different book, book of Revelation. It's always good to go from Old Testament prophets to Revelation, keeping it light and easy today. Revelation 12, 10 says this, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. They have thrown down the spirit of our enemy. He is defeated. He is already lost. And all he wants to do is take as many people with him as he can on the way down. That's why we cannot conform to the spirit of the world, the spirit of error, because he wants to take you with him. We instead trust in Christ, who has all authority. I ask musicians to come this morning. The spirit of error, that spirit that comes from an enemy who rules this world will come to nothing. It will come to nothing because he has been defeated. We are overcomers. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. How? By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of our testimony. That we will not conform to the world, but we will live for the, him whose kingdom reigns and who has all authority. Let us take heed of our words, of the words spoken by Zephaniah, the words of our God through his prophet, and be people whose testimony is true, without pretense and without facade. People of bold, unwavering faith, because God is able, and people who take his gift of free will and use it to choose to follow Jesus above all, because they will have life and have it to the full.
I ask you to stand this morning. As people of God who choose to surrender to Jesus, who have chosen to follow Jesus, it is up to us. We are the church. We are the ones who have to show the world that there is a choice. They either follow Jesus or they don't. And not making a choice is still making a choice. Because unless they choose Jesus, they're choosing the spirit of this world, the spirit of our enemy, the spirit of error. And they will conform and then they'll be lost. Let us be the church, people of God, who do not pretend, who show the world that it's okay to be who you are, that God loves you and accepts them as they are, that we are people of faith, true, unwavering faith, that we trust in God, not just the little things, but the big things, and that we are people who take the gift of free will that everybody has, but we choose to use our free will to surrender to our Creator, to surrender to Jesus. I'm going to pray this morning. I just want to pray for those who may not know Jesus, who are watching at home, who do not know that there's a choice that they have to make. And they're going to pray for the rest of us, that we will be people of God, who take our gift of free will and use it as God intended. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for anyone in this room and anyone watching at home who has not made Jesus Lord of their life, who does not know that Jesus is the King of kings and He is Lord of lords, that He is our Creator. And there is a choice to be made. Jesus came and He died on a cross that everybody, every single person could be saved, that there is a relationship available to them with the one who made them. I pray, Lord, for anyone here and anyone at home who has not made that choice. Today is your day. Today is as good a day as any. Lord, I pray that they would open their hearts and they would simply choose to follow you. That they would go, Jesus, I'm sorry for living life my own way, for making my own truth, for taking your gift of free will and using it to exclude you. Lord, I surrender my life to you today. Lord, I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I give my life to him this day and every day forward. That's as simple as it is. You just need to pray that prayer and Jesus will come into your life and you can follow him and live a life of faith. And if that's you, I'd ask that you reach out, come see me after church, reach out to us at church if you're at home. Lord, this morning, Lord, I pray for the believers in this place and the believers watching at home, both now and in the future. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are his church. We are the body of Christ. And he is the head. Lord, I pray that every single person here, that they would recognize, they would understand that you have called them by name. You've called them by name 
And none of us, none of us needs to pretend. None of us needs to wear a false face, to put up any kind of facade. None of us needs to be anyone else than who we are because you have called us by name. Help us to show the world how to be open and honest and genuine. That God loves them where they are and he will meet them where they are. Help us to go into our workplaces, into our schoolyards, into our universities, into our social clubs, into our neighbourhoods, into our communities. Help us to go out and be people who show the world that they don't need to pretend anymore. They don't need to pretend because you know them and you call them. You call them by name. Help us show the world that we don't need to conform to the idea of pretending or trying to be someone that we're not. But recognize we are who you made us to be. We are who you made us to be. Lord, help us to be people of faith, unwavering, genuine conviction that you are willing and you are able, that you are here, that you hear us and that you help us. That in the little things or the big things, you are the same God. Help us to trust in you, to be active in our faith, to go out and believe that you are with us, to not hold back, to not pretend, to not be half-hearted, but to have the conviction to live for you boldly. And Lord, help us to take our gift of free will and use it to serve you, to say to God, I choose you. I choose you, Jesus. I surrender myself to you. Not believing the lie of the world that you can be whatever you want to be, that you can create your own truth and that you don't need God. That is the spirit of error. And the world cries out for us to conform, but we will not conform. We will take our unrestricted decision-making power and say, I choose Jesus. I will follow him. I will follow Jesus every single day. Because Jesus set me free. Jesus set me free. Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to have faith. Help us to choose Jesus every single day. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you are doing. Because you are a good, good God. We declare your praises today. We thank you for your word. Help us to go out of this place knowing that you are with us, knowing that you hear us, and knowing that you will help us live for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.